0: Welcome to Game Like Training Radio, where we're helping you to understand how to learn and practice more effectively.
1: I'm one of your hosts, Cordy Walker. And I'm your co-host, Matthew Cook. And uh, welcome back to the second episode, where we are sitting down with Dr. David Sherwood, who is a professor at the University of Colorado. And we are going to be going through some aspects of focus of attention and the changes in muscle activation
0: yes and I I, maybe I should just monopolize this intro like I monopolize this conversation as well Matt Um, because you did (laughs) not say much this entire interview so uh, this is that this is just the the Cordy Walker interview uh, if you don't mind because this is a topic (laughs) that I enjoy it's fascinating like where we put our attention where we put our focus and then we look at some of the research that david has done on muscle activation and so changes in muscles because of changes in focus it's just like it's really cool it's really cool you love this i do i do and and i kind of challenge him a bit because i get questions on this all the time because you know anecdotally we might hear of a tour player who's thinking of like an internal focus or something right and so everyone is like gets up in arms and says like focus of attention doesn't matter blah 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 so we talk about that a bit too this is going to be good (laughs) but before that uh people can still win a couple copies of your book expert golfer right they just got to head over to that there's a facebook post pinned to the top of the golf science Lab facebook page tag someone who needs more game-like training in their golf because we all need a little more game-like training in our golf uh i
1: think i might tag you Cody. (laughs) yeah (laughs)
0: I do well first of all you need to go to the golf course so I'm gonna work on that first of all and then I'll work on the game like training uh, once I get myself there and then uh, and they'll do that but yeah you are kindly giving away five copies of that so plenty of chances to win so head over there and uh, make sure to do that and then otherwise uh, people can go check out your course that we just relaunched if people want to go through the recordings of that that is over on our golf science lab portal and uh, you enjoyed putting that together didn't you matt
1: that was awesome yeah and there's a lot of great you know resources that people can download and take away and actually use in a practical setting so that was a lot of fun putting that together
0: yes that is a that's a good program for folks to go through if you enjoy these conversations that we have around game like training head over and check out that course but without any more chit chat from us let's get into this with dr david sherwood all right. Welcome back to Game Like Training Radio. And today we have a really cool conversation. We love talking about learning. And when Dr. Tim Lee refers you to someone uh, to have a conversation with them, you definitely go have that conversation because you know you're going to learn a lot. So today we're excited to have on Dr. David Sherwood. Uh, and we have a we have a good conversation in line. David, how's it going?
2: Very good. Very good. Thanks. Thanks a lot for joining us, David. Yeah, looking forward to it. So I mean, just give us like
0: a, a 30, 60 second bio so we so we know kind of maybe your background a bit or where you're approaching
2: this conversation from sure. before we get into it. Absolutely. So so I have a PhD basically in kinesiology, which is the, the study of human movement. I studied at the University of Southern California way back in the 1980s. <laughs> um so since then, um, I've been here at the University of Colorado. Our department is now called integrative physiology, which really fits in well with what I'm interested in, because I'm interested in how, you know, mental activities, mental focus, how that influences movement and particularly how, how movements are controlled. So I've been doing research uh, on the focus of attention for the last four or five years. Prior to that, I was really interested in bimanual coordination and did a number of studies looking at the coordination between the left arm and the right arm or left hand and right hand and how those uh movements interact. Uh so that's relevant for for many sporting activities as well. Uh but in the last four or five years again we've been interested in the idea of the focus of attention and how that influences uh motor control. Gotcha.
0: Cool. Well let's let's get into that a bit, David. So I I mean I think the general understanding that, that maybe some people have heard is that maybe an external focus is better than an internal focus for performance and learning. Is that right? Is that true? Yeah, what, yeah, what are you finding? Yeah, yeah. Like, where, where are you at with this?
2: Right. So I'd say, you know, 90% of the studies really have shown uh, there's a benefit for focusing externally, you know, outside the body compared to internally. This is particularly true if there's some kind of a target involved. So, you know, you're hitting a golf ball toward the flag or you're shooting a basketball toward the rim or throwing a dart toward the target. So particularly when there's a target involved, having that external focus is clearly beneficial. Now, we've shown it in beginners. Other studies have shown the advantage more so for for, uh, advanced or intermediate uh, individuals. But, you know, in our studies, we've really shown this advantage uh, really from the very beginning. I think realistically, I mean, if you look at something complicated like golf, you know people do need to have a basic understanding of the swing and have some kind of consistency so that you know when they actually are out on the golf course hitting the ball they don't really have to think uh, very much about the movement they can think really more about the target where they want the ball to go so i think in golf particularly with a complicated sport like that having perhaps some internal focus early on in practice to sort of get the idea of the swing is probably okay but then, once that movement becomes, you know, somewhat automated, uh, somewhat automatic, then clearly having that external focus, you know, on the flagstick, uh, on uh, where you want the ball to go, is is uh, most likely going to be beneficial compared to thinking about the grip or the stance or other some other kind of movement uh, or mechanical uh, factor. Is that that
1: sort of paralysis by analysis, David? When you yeah
2: exactly. That's the, that's the classic paralysis by analysis. Yeah. yeah, particularly under stress and pressure, it's the idea is that under stress, competitive stress or pressure, you know we tend to revert back sometimes to an earlier you know phase of learning where we we perhaps needed to think about movement mechanics or technique. So we think that this internal focus may actually come into play. You know when people sort of choke under pressure. So, you know, under pressure situations, it's it's particularly uh, a problem.
1: So, what sort of research activities are you doing, like right now, with with people and subjects? What are you doing uh, right now with this? So,
2: at the at the current time, what we're studying is, you know, the muscle activity that can be affected by either an internal or external focus. So, the way that we do our studies currently, we're just studying dart throwing. And basically in dart throwing, you know, the triceps muscle is the, the main muscle that you use to extend the elbow. Biceps muscle is the, the antagonist, which tends to slow the limb down. So we'll look at the, the muscle activity pattern in the triceps and biceps as a function of, of an internal external focus. And the way that we engender the focus is we a- ask, actually ask people to give us some kind of information after the throw. For example, in the internal focus situation, we'll ask them to estimate what their elbow angle was when they released the dart. So we get them thinking about the elbow angle. Um, And so they'll give us a rating on what their elbow angle was. So that really creates this internal focus. In the external case, what we have them do in this current study is to focus on the flight of the dart and they give a rating on the flight of the dart, whether it was highly curved or relatively flat. And so on each throw, we we get them thinking either internally or externally. So our our major measure here is gonna be, what's the relative contribution of the triceps versus the biceps muscle in throwing as you change your mental focus? Our prediction is that in the internal focus case, you're gonna have more biceps activity, you're gonna have more co-contraction uh, between the, the muscle groups, and that's go- going to result in higher errors, uh, stiffer joint movement, for example. So uh, again, that's why we think that internal focus is ineffective from a motor control standpoint, because it makes joint actions inefficient and muscle actions inefficient.
0: So what are some of the measurements that you're that you're measuring there? So you're, you're measuring muscle activity, you're measuring, obviously, performance. I mean, what are some yes. of the things you're looking at?
2: Right, exactly. So in terms of accuracy, we look at something called radial error, which is simply the distance between the dart and the center of the dartboard. They're going for the red bullseye in this case. So we measure the distance um, from the bullseye for, for each dart. We also have an accelerometer, which gives us acceleration in three different planes, uh, You know, in the line of the throw, in elevation, and, and also laterally. So we can determine if there's a change in The acceleration pattern and in these movements acceleration is proportional to force so we can get a good measure of the force that's being applied during the throw so we'll relate you know the the mental activity those conditions to the amount of co-contraction also the acceleration pattern i should say in these studies we use each subject as their own control and so we're comparing apples to apples in this case so we compare their muscle activity while they're uh, in the external focus condition as well as the internal focus condition, we call that a within subject design. And it's really generally more effective when you're looking at kinematics or muscle activity to compare within subjects like that. So, uh, those are our primary measures performance as well as uh, motor control.
0: I, I mean, you talked about some of the losing like fluidity, or is a word I hear when people talk about like internal and external focus. And you're obviously yes. looking at muscles. Uh, right. And kind of what's going on there. And so, I, I mean, like, here's some of the info that I've heard on this. So, like, with an external focus, we're ability, we have, like, an increased ability to self-correct with micro movements or something like that because we're more fluid. And I, this is, might just be pop learning stuff that's yeah. not right. But, like, is that what's happening or what's actually happening?
2: Yeah. So, so, in this current study, what we're doing now is we can look at the, the acceleration pattern during dart throwing. And that is definitely related to fluidity. So the idea is that with an with an internal focus, you have, uh, again, you, you might have the agonist and antagonist muscle groups on at the same time. For example, you know, the triceps and the biceps muscle on at the same time. And uh, so the joint action becomes stiffer, and you'll see sort of less acceleration in that limb because of the stiffness due to how the muscles are operating. And so you're going to get a less fluid movement when you have this co-contraction. So, so that's one thing we should see. So with an external focus, the movement should be more fluid. That, that is, they should have greater acceleration and sort of less jerkiness, if you will, uh, in terms of the movement. We've seen that in other studies where we've studied just pure uh, force production. We've seen uh, better fluidity and force production uh, with an external focus. So yeah, you know, we think that, you know, as you change your mental focus, that changes how the brain controls the movement, which is is very, very interesting. And so, with an external focus, you have sort of a more advanced way of controlling the movement. It's more fluid, and we should be able to see that in our acceleration pattern. Uh, it was interesting that I just referred briefly to the study we did on force production. And In that study, people were were using, basically pushing a pedal with their foot, and basically they, we were recording the EMGs in the lower limb muscles, and, you know, we would give them practice with an internal focus and an external focus, and then we would give them a set of trials where they could choose their own focus, either external or internal, and uh, my graduate student and myself would be sitting there looking at the monitor, and we would see co-contraction between the agonist and antagonist muscles. Then we'd ask them, well, what were you focusing on that time? And they said, well, I was focusing internally. I was focusing on the muscles. Uh, and then another trial, there would be almost no antagonist activity. And they'd say, yes, I was focusing, you know, on the task, on the the force plate that they were pushing against. And then, uh, you know, sometimes we'd see this co-contraction and they would say, I was focusing on the platform. And we really knew they weren't. So, uh, the idea was that by looking at what the muscles are doing, we knew what they were thinking about, which is a uh, completely novel way of sort of looking at motor control. You're looking at the muscles and then inferring what's happening in the brain, which is uh, very cool. So that's a long-winded question for about <laughs> fluidity, but I think it I think it it gets to the point whereby your mental activity influences how your muscles work and how Uh, how the movement is controlled, which I think is really, uh, really quite fascinating.
0: And so the people in the study right now that you're doing with darts and some of these other studies, um, I've heard a lot of folks kind of put down some focus of of attention research because of the skill level of participants and the instructions that were given for an internal focus. Could you cover a few of those, a few of those things?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, in our studies uh, here at the University of Colorado, when we do dart throwing, you know, we might have one or two people who consider themselves experts in dart throwing. Everybody else is clearly a novice. And so, you know, we see advantages of the external focus very early in practice, even with novices. So, you know, we think that's a a very generalizable effect. Now, the key here, I think, and I think uh, Dr. Wolf has made this pretty clear in some of her work, is that you've got to make simple statements about how to focus, and the statement should be simple and about the same complexity. Um, so for example, in our studies, we, we have them rate, you know, give us a rating of what your elbow angle was when you threw the dart, very simple. And they give a rating between one and six. Uh, when they evaluate the flight of the dart, for example, when we, we do that for an external focus condition, we, they give a rating between one and six. So we keep those instructions uh, very simple and basically the same complexity clearly if you give more instruction or uh, greater verbal information for uh, internal versus external then that's a bias right Uh, experimental bias and so i think it's clear that the instructions have to be simple they have to be short and direct and i think that's uh, really the key in doing uh, these kind of studies
1: Gotcha. Gotcha.
2: Um, I know he's got a ton more questions, David. He's just
1: lining them all up for you. I sure, <laughs> the Cardi Walker show. I, I yeah. have
0: a bunch of like, people talk about this all the time, this focus of attention yeah. stuff. Um, and and a lot of it, I think comes from anecdotal evidence of like swing thoughts of elite performers of, I don't know, like a Rory McIlroy saying like what his swing thought was during a round or something. Right. And so right. a lot of folks hear that and they say, like, this focus of attention stuff just isn't true because of stuff like that. Like, do, do you have a response to that or any thoughts? on? Well,
2: uh, let me go back to Greg Norman. I've read some of his books and, and things and heard him speak. And he gave the greatest example of an external focus uh, when he was hitting his driver. It was he would pick out a, a very small spot on the fairway this could be a slight discoloration of the grass. This could be uh, the edge of a bunker, for example. And he would mentally focus on that far distant target uh, before he would hit the ball. And so that's clearly uh, showing uh, an external focus and a very precise one as well. So you have a very narrow external focus on a target Clearly, that worked for Norm because he was one of the best drivers of the golf ball. Now, let me go back and just say a couple of words about, you know, performing the golf shot versus what you do right before the golf shot. OK, you know, many professionals uh, and again, Jack Nicklaus comes to mind here because he would use mental imagery right before the shot. He would imagine The flight of the golf ball, what flight he wanted. And then he would imagine the swing that would provide the flight of the golf ball he wanted. And then, you know, during the swing, you know, all of that mental activity would be finished. So when he swung, he really didn't think about anything. He'd done all that mental activity before the swing. And so, you know, as golfers are preparing to hit a shot, you know, they're using mental imagery, they're using these activities to plan the shot during the actual swing i'd have to be convinced that they're thinking about mechanics during the swing maybe before the swing they're thinking about what kind of swing they want to perform but during that that 1.2 seconds whatever it is i don't think they're thinking mechanics to be honest with you now i could be wrong but i would like to if we could do the research is find out you know what their brain's doing at that point or what their muscles are doing at that point. And look for the uh, maybe greater co-contraction, you know, if they're thinking about mechanics. Um, So even pros, when they say that, we'd have to sort of take that, you know, for what it is. Uh, We'd actually need to get some good measurements from those individuals.
0: Have you ever done a a focus of attention study with the... Are you using like is it an EMG to
2: measure muscles? Is that right? Or correct? Yeah, CMG. Okay. Have you right. done that
0: with in conjunction with an EEG to measure brain activity? I well? have.
2: I have. Yeah, I have not personally, but I know. Um, I I know people generally do EEG uh, or EMG. It's it's a little difficult to do EEG during the swing, but I, I've noticed there's companies these days that are producing like a portable EEG that you can actually wear it outside the lab. I know there's companies uh doing that these days, so we may be able to see that kind of activity uh in the near future, the kind of research in the near future
0: yeah i've I've done some stuff with dr. debbie cruz, um, oh yeah,
2: great right, a car yeah, right?
0: and so she has uh, a new system with a it's a four or five sensor e e g and th- that's portable like that and I'm just curious if this internal external kind of focus thing and then, and looking at like anecdotal thoughts of you know, maybe there's a tour player that was thinking about, you know, getting in a certain position during their swing. And that was like their swing thought, uh, if what you would find is that the brain state allowed the, the muscles to react like they would with an external focus or something. Is that making sense?
2: Yeah. I mean, it it could be, uh, for sure. I think the, I mean, the big problem, of course, with, with learning golf is there's so many things to think about, Right. You've got your stance, you've got your grip, you've got club positions, you've got all kinds of things, and and it's easy to get overwhelmed. So, uh, you know, just from a, a very general sort of uh, think about attention is that, you know, maybe you focus on one thing. You don't try to focus on multiple things uh, during the swing. So I know there's going to be an advantage of minimizing those kind of activities during the swing for sure. So, or there may be at the very beginning of the swing, there might be a swing thought or something, but that's it. You know, once the swing starts, there may be, the rest of the movement may be uh, relatively automatic. So, you know, when, when pros have a swing thought, it'd be interesting to know exactly when that is occurring. Is it pre-swing? Yeah, I, I'd be surprised if if it was during the swing, to be honest with you.
0: Gotcha. If, if folks are interested, we did an article with Dr. Noel Russo. He's a, a golf instructor out of London kind of on automaticity and some of his research Mm -hmm. around that. Um, So another, another resource on that topic. If folks are interested, Uh, Matt, this is my last question. And then you can talk, (laughs) I'll allow it Um, anomalies (laughs) in your, in your studies that you're doing with this dart throwing, like any strange anomalies or do some people do the complete opposite of the norm or just like things that stand out?
2: Yeah. I mean, occasionally uh, you you will find anomalies for sure. So, uh, you know that's why we do study a relatively large number of subjects. in our a study we completed a couple of weeks ago, it was kind of kind of interesting that we had we had three people uh, in the study, dart throwing study, that were basically adv- intermediate or advanced, and they showed just in those three people, it's a very small uh, subsample, but they showed in that subsample that they were actually doing better with an internal focus as opposed to an external focus. The other, uh, you know, 60 people we had in the study uh, were novices and there was a clear advantage of an external focus in that group. So one other thing that has been studied, I think, uh, is sort of a preferred focus. Uh, Some people have looked at trying to assess whether one prefers to have an external or internal focus. And so in some cases it may be advantageous for them uh, to have an internal focus, because that's sort of maybe the way they've trained or, you know, developed that over time. But I, I would say, you know, occasionally those things do happen in, in the large scheme of things in our studies. You know, there's a statistically significant benefit of uh, of having an external focus. And again, these were primarily with beginners and novices. But yeah, you do get individual differences. There's no doubt about it. Well, we're at 37 minutes, Cordy,
1: so um, I think, uh, David, we'll, we'll, we'll let you get back to uh, doing some more research so we can ask you about it later.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's a fine idea. I'm, uh, the time has gone really very quickly, so uh, if you have one last question, I'm happy to address it. Otherwise, uh, we, can <laughs> connect, we can connect later
0: yeah well we definitely will i mean any interesting research you're so you're working on the dart study now um you you're just gonna keep focusing on uh this focus a uh, good one there uh you're gonna keep focusing on focus of attention uh research then huh
2: in the in the foreseeable future yes that's the plan absolutely
0: love it i'm uh, i obviously you can tell i i get amped up about this um so yeah this is interesting to me uh and i think there's a lot of questions and a lot of different opinions out there so that's yes. why i always love talking about this and and getting getting uh seeing what's going on in the research and everything so thank
1: you so much this has been awesome matt anything else before we uh sign no, off no just uh I, I when you get more data and more things start showing up in the research david i mean i'd, I'd love to know about it and and uh, and share it with everybody but other That's than that thank you for joining us thanks for coming sure. out. I Absolutely. Really appreciate it's been my
2: pleasure and I'll, I'll keep you in touch keep you informed thanks so, thanks so much thanks so much
0: thanks so much for listening to game like training radio powered by the golf science lab if you want to learn more about this podcast and all the other content head over to golfsciencelab.com to see everything Make sure to check out the game-like training course that we put together. You can find that at training.golfsciencelab.com and that is the game-like training course. I hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you all next week.